Hello everyone, this is Dr. Sarah Rose and I want to welcome you to another edition of Rosecast. Thank you for joining us today. Today I have a special guest, Dr. Stephen Wallenhop. Dr. Wallenhop, welcome. Thank you. It's good to be here. And Dr. Wallenhop has been a heart surgeon and is now he flies drones. So we're going to talk about kind of his life and what led him from the practice of medicine to this fascinating hobby. So Dr. Wallenhop, tell me about being a heart surgeon. Well, um, I aspired to be a physician from a very young age. Um, no family members were in medicine, but I always admired our family practitioner. He was so kind and such a nice person to deal with and so calm. And having a very strong interest in science, that was a national natural transition for me. And um, I never really pursued another course of study for another profession. And um, enjoyed uh, learning and enjoyed uh, all the facts about medicine, but also learned as I was more involved in it that I really enjoyed the contact with people, working with a patient or with their families. It takes everybody that's involved. And I just had a great love for that relationship and bringing people information in a way that was considerate of their feelings, but at the same time, educating them, make them aware of the concerns but at the same time, giving them some hope and something to look forward to so that we could bring them through, say, an operation, for example, with hope of a good outcome. And fortunately, that was typically the case. So uh, it was very exciting a career. It was rewarding. Uh, and again, uh, I think I really uh, met me at the right place in terms of bringing science and our personal relationship with people together. Well, it's so important, the doctor you have, that they give you hope and that they're right there walking beside you, which sounds like that's what you did. Right. And I, while I did heart surgery, I also did a lot of pulmonary or lung mm -hmm. surgery. Mm -hmm. And often that was dealing with lung cancer, which is, can be a very right. devastating disease. And so working with folks, telling them about the facts and trying to share with them my concerns for their situation and looking forward to what their future might be, but not being so specific as to discourage them. Right. Uh, if surgery were appropriate, uh, that's something we would offer and talk about all the implications of surgery. Uh, and many times, thankfully, um, they had a better outlook with surgery. But if not, and biopsy were necessary and they needed to have other types of treatment, encourage them about what their future looks like in that way and also identify physicians that would work with them and other specialties to try to right. get them the best care possible. A team effort is so important. If particularly in cancer care. Yes. So tell me then what led you to stop medicine, because at some point you decided to stop. Well, eventually, you know, uh, while I enjoyed that great contact with my patients and their families and also with the professionals like yourself and others that we work with at the hospital, that's a, a lot of the enjoyment is the teamwork. Um, you know, you reach a time when it's to look forward to retirement. Right, right. And so, um, and it's a very uh, demanding profession it as it should be is. because people have to commit a lot of their time to it as their family has to also endure yes. uh, that kind of time commitment. But uh, look forward to enjoying retirement and uh, just plan for that, but also 
I do miss the profession. It's a wonderful way to uh, work with people. Now tell me uh, about your children. How many children do you and your wife have? So uh, my wife, Dawn, uh-huh. who's always supported me through my career, is also a medical professional. So she has a good understanding of what we've been through professionally and as a family. Uh, I have two daughters um, and a son. And uh, none of them are in medicine, interestingly. <laughs> I, don't, I don't know if that's good or bad, but they're all in different careers and all doing fine. Yeah, that's great. Well, now let's explore. You decided it was time for you to retire and explore what the next step was going to be. Well, I've enjoyed my retirement, but I've always been very inquisitive, always interested in science. I always learned something new, trying to uh, educate myself just out of interest, not for any particular goal. Um, as a young person before in, in college, I built, uh, radio controlled guider airplanes, which are, uh, a lot of tedious time of building and a little bit of time of flying. So I was never really great at it, but I did really, really enjoy it. Fascinating. I think maybe surgeon mentality is fine work and details are part of what you do. Exactly. Maybe that's why you end up in surgery. Mm -hmm. And so I did that as a young person, built models and did a lot of fine work like that. Uh, and it sort of led to building those airplanes and enjoying those. Those sort of fell by the wayside later when I got so busy in my profession and raising kids and having our family time. Sure. But uh, later on with my retirement, looking to do some things that I enjoyed like that, uh, working on computers and working on electronic stuff. Um, I'm not that good at it, but I enjoyed it. Uh, And drones actually are interesting because they are really pretty sophisticated little computers on their own. Yes. And they have a lot of interesting characteristics, which shared my interest in radio-controlled aircraft. They're quite different from gliders, but they're fundamentally the same in terms of the way they function. And then with electronics and the advances in technology, that was just kind of a natural next step in time. So you went back to what you had been interested in in college. Right, right. So it worked out well. Yeah. And I had the time to do it. Yes. And uh, with no particular goal in mind, except to just have some enjoyment. Exactly. Well, tell us about your first drone, that experience. Well, I had heard a lot about drones, like a lot of people have. I know a lot of your audience probably says, I don't know much about a drone, but I hear about them all the time. And um, so the dutiful husband going shopping with his (laughs) wife at Beth Beth and Body Works, not my my, uh, favorite store, maybe, but they had after Christmas sale. And strangely enough, they had drones. That is strange. That were half price. <laughs> and, the, and a half price drone in that particular instance was $25. Complete it's little amazing. drone, small but functional, has mm-hmm. a little camera on it, take pictures. You could look at them on the computer. So I thought, well, I should try that. So I got it. My wife was really thrilled. I'm not sure she was <laughs> as enthusiastic as I was. But uh, we have area of near our home here uh-huh. that's roomy and safe because right. nobody lives out there. It's just an open field. And so I'd go out there and fly around. I wasn't too good at it but and I crashed a lot, but unfortunately, they're pretty durable little devices. Yeah. And so I learned and enjoyed it. Yeah. It was a lot. And, and our son came during the holidays, and he flew it some with me, mm-hmm. and he's very tech savvy, and he enjoyed it as well. Uh, but it wasn't very... As I say, it wasn't very sophisticated, but right. it was a lot of fun. So unbeknownst to me, 
my wife and my son conspired to buy me one, a little nicer one for Christmas. They saw how much you liked it. Yes. And so uh, he picked out one that was a lot nicer, not a lot bigger, but a lot more Mm -hmm. sophisticated. And I got that for Christmas. Mm -hmm. So then he was there for Christmas and he and I flew it around. We flew into trees and things a little bit, but no damage was done. And we had a lot of fun doing it. But the pictures were a lot nicer Mm -hmm. and it was a lot easier to fly. Yeah. So that was great. Where did you get that one? So I don't know where he bought it, but oh, he okay. bought it for me for Christmas. So, um, But it was more sophisticated. Much better. Uh, it has a lot more monitoring uh-huh. and things. Uh, you can follow it better in terms of its location on GPS and all kinds of right. new technology. So that was fun, except one day I was flying and the battery was a little bit low and I said I should return it to home. It has a function, re- return to mm-hmm. home. It never returned. Oh. I don't know where it went. We've never found <laughs> Didn't it. Didn't make it back. It went somewhere, but I never saw it again. <clears throat> yeah. So I was sort of sad about that, but you know, it was okay. But eventually, as the technology has progressed, more sophisticated drones, and, and most typically larger ones, but more sophisticated drones have become available and more affordable. Right. And particularly if you get some refurbished or used drones that are in good condition, you can uh, get something, a really nice, um, much more stable drone for a decent price. And you're fortunate enough to be able to refurbish them. Yes, and they are modular, sort of like computers, and so you can repair them uh, for the most part. Um, the, the electronics are relatively sophisticated, but they're kind of, as computer folks would say, plug and play. Yeah. You can plug in a new piece and mm-hmm. it'll work just like the old piece. And so being able to repair them means you can. Unfortunately, I've had a few crash landings and things. <laughs> you can still yeah. repair them and use them after that. So that was part of uh, my endeavor into those, which has been several years now. Started out simple, mm-hmm. just started doing more, learning a lot more. Uh, and um, and it's a great bit of enjoyment flying them. And with the more sophisticated drones, they're a lot more stable. They're easier, actually. The more the more advanced ones are easier to fly than the more simple ones. And so I just kept on progressing into that and learning more and enjoying it more. And the cameras are nicer and they fly longer. So there's a lot of things about it um, that are fascinating. So you told me that um, you flew flew some of them over land and they could do land surveys. What else could they do? Well, uh, you can do mapping and mm-hmm. surveying because the cameras are really nice. The other thing is you can do really nice video. Uh-huh. So you can do um, 4K video or high definition video. Mm-hmm. And it's a beautiful picture, full yeah. color. And on modern televisions, it's just a gorgeous uh, wow. quality image. So I enjoyed doing that and um, dr- taking serial videos or, or serial fixed images of building construction, for example, you have to get permission, obviously, from the location to fly over that location. There are certain requirements for safety that the FAA stipulates mm-hmm. and should always follow those. But taking uh, pictures of a progression of a construction site can make a beautiful little survey right, right. progression through the construction. It's fascinating to put those videos together. Um, and um, so there's a lot of things you can do with it today that weren't true three to five years ago, yeah. which are really commonplace today. And you told me you had gotten credentialed. 
So the FAA has standards that apply to everybody. So amateurs must register drones based on their weight. The much, much smaller drones like uh, in which I started don't have to be registered because they're too small. Right. But if you get above a half a pound of weight, mm -hmm. they have to be registered. And that's a free registration if you're an amateur. But if you're going to do anything where you're given uh, any remuneration of any kind, whether it's a gift or cash or whatever that is, I've never really gotten paid for it. Right. I thought it would be nice for me to have those credentials. Mm -hmm. The FAA has a certificate, um, and, and it's called an unmanned aerial system. Mm -hmm. You get certified through testing. It's a pretty pretty uh -huh. challenging test, yes. but you can study for it and, and take it and get your FAA certificate. Uh, if you don't have that certificate, you can't, you have um, very much more restrictions. Mm -hmm. You can't fly at night, for example. Mm -hmm. But if you get a certificate and you get it updated to the most current standard within the rules, which are very specific, right. you can fly at night, which you can't do otherwise. Mm -hmm. So that's an example. You're limited to 400 feet elevation above ground level and, and a lot of other things. Like you can never have the drone fly when you can't directly see it. Mm -hmm. And that means with a naked eye or with just a visual right. uh, correction with glasses, no binoculars, wow. no secondary imaging. Mm -hmm. So those are safety rules, yes. really. You can't fly over people. You can't fly over cars. You can't fly over locations that are populated by anybody that's not aware and involved in the process. And all those things are great because unfortunately people do things that are a little bit dangerous and, right. and it puts people at risk and that's really not a good thing. So I think the rules are appropriate. People should follow them. If right. they don't, it's usually a bad idea. Oh, and so it's nice to know those details and be certified so you can also educate others about why you should or shouldn't do something. Sure. We hear about drones and airports. So mm -hmm. how close to an airport can yours fly? So it's <clears throat> uh, the good thing is, is the... the um, Drone has GPS, so it knows exactly where it's located on the Earth's surface, and it knows where all the airports are, or the no-fly zones. There are also like military bases, for example. Right. It won't fly in those zones. It won't go within five miles, say, of the Charlotte right. International Airport, which is a great thing. There that are is. circumstances under which you can have that changed if you're a professional and you get a waiver from the FAA. Mm -hmm. And that software can be changed, but otherwise it just won't turn on if you're within a five mile radius of the airport, which is good. We don't want to have anything that would put any kind of commercial or private aircraft at risk. So Absolutely. It's, it's very important for people to obey those rules because it's all for safety. So what would you say is the most important thing you've enjoyed with the drones? You told me you had quite a collection. Yes, I, my wife says I have too many, but uh, <laughs> some of it's because you get, you can buy them that are damaged and you can repair them. So you get them at a low cost yeah. and you can get a, basically a backup drone, for example. So I enjoy doing that, but they are also defined to do different roles. As you mentioned, surveying, mm -hmm. aerial surveys, which is like creating a giant image of a property, for example, or um, doing videography at different of different types. I don't have a thermal imaging system, but mm -hmm. um, uh, first responders and fire departments right. use those to identify fires or identify a person who might be lost mm -hmm. at night through the heat signature. Uh, so there, there's lots of different functions that are quite interesting. Um, 
I think that uh, it's really nice to know those things. I don't invest in those things, but having a survey drone or a photography drone mm -hmm. or one that just is fun to fly, I have all those different varieties. So Well, that sounds fascinating. They all have a different role. Right. And the software is written uh -huh. for different functions. And so um, that's interesting too. And so is there anything else you'd like to tell us about drones, what you've experienced or? Um... Well, one of the things like anything, any kind of hobby or interest, there are a group of people out there who share your interests. Sure. So that's always a lot of fun to uh, join groups in, in the case of websites that are really focused on, in my case, this particular brand mm -hmm. of drone. And everybody on there shares an interest in that, but they have all different backgrounds. Some are professionals, some are amateurs, some are starting. Uh, and on this particular uh, uh, website, there are international participants, over 2,000 members, and they have some very sophisticated members in terms of technology. So if you have a problem with your drone, you can put up a question or put up a photograph and ask the group. And just about every time you can get a complete answer from a very competent person. And they're about a, they're right about 100% of the time. Well, that's amazing. Yeah. What is that website? It's called unique, Y-U-N-E-E-C, pilots.com. Oh. And, and, and anyone that's not a member can go mm -hmm. in there and look around. Yeah. So you might find it interesting. But just all these different drone types, mm -hmm. and there's a lot of different manufacturers, have appropriate websites of that nature. If somebody was interested in just getting started, what would be your suggestion to them? How would they just get started? Well, I would say get on the internet like everything else and just read and ask questions. If you if you have questions of these websites, mm -hmm. they, they encourage people who are not members to ask questions. And then um, go to the manufacturer sites or vendor sites and learn more about them. Understand what your goal is, you know, you don't want to spend a lot of money on a sophisticated drone if you're just going to do a little fun flying. How much would a sophisticated drone cost? Well, the, I would say uh, anything. So let, let me go back. Okay. Well, my first one was $25. Yes. The next one is about $250, mm -hmm. but it's a lot more stable in flight. Right. Then you begin to get into the $1,000 and yeah. greater, and they keep going up from there. With the so good professional cameras drones and, are multiple yeah. thousands. Yeah. You know, commercial drones that are used, for example, by the film industry mm -hmm. are hundreds of thousands. Yes. But that's a whole different category. But they're very sophisticated. So you want to learn about that. And then you want to understand what your goals are and mm -hmm. how that seems to fit with your uh, interest. And then please, please, please go to the FAA site, understand what the rules are, do it safely. Don't put yourself or anybody else at risk right. because you don't understand how to do it properly or do it safely. So please always understand what the FAA rules are, their implications if you don't follow those rules. But more importantly, it's just a safety issue if you don't. Sure. That's very good advice. Okay. Anything else that I want to ask? Is there anything else that you want to share? with? So them? I just enjoy doing it. I enjoy sharing the things with folks. Uh, the pictures and the videos and talking about it. Sounds but, like uh, you get a lot of joy out of it. This I do. is kind of your hobby from college. Yeah, way back. Yeah, it's true. And it's gotten better and better all the time. And you use your talents to make it better and better. I hope so. Yeah, it's a lot of fun. Uh, but just find something that's of interest to you. Enjoy that. Learn about it. 
share it with others. I mean, that's part of the joy of life is, is involving other folks and helping them or just letting them know what you're doing. And right. It brings together people of a, a variety of interests with, with one focus that sometimes can be quite interesting and educational. Sure. Are there drone clubs or drone groups? or? Sure. Like these, these sites, um, uh-huh. these websites, for example, they all have a map of all the people that are members and their geography. And so you could contact someone because you'll mm-hmm. see where they are on the map. Right. And there may be a flying club. Uh-huh. A lot of times with radio-controlled aircraft and drones, there's a club that might get together mm-hmm. and maybe even have a field or an area where they have mm-hmm. designated flying. And so there's a lot of things to get together. Uh, again, shared interests, but all for the better and learning and also being safe. So thank you, everybody, for listening to Rosecast. And I'll see you next time. And I want you to know that my producer is Daryl Anderson. Many thanks to him. Bye-bye.